Welcome to the City Life Podcast. I'm Tim Woody, the pastor of City Life Church in downtown Fort Worth. There is purpose for your life. There's a destiny you have yet to walk into, and there is hope regardless of what you're facing today. I encourage you to open your heart now to what God will be speaking to you over these next few minutes. I'm ready to dive into God's Word. What about you? Come on, get your Bibles out. Get your Bibles out. Get your Bibles out. When I was, when I was a kid, we used to do this thing. We called it sword drill. Didn't, do any of you, any of you do that? I think, yes, okay, some of you elderly. But well, you, I just, I'm just looking at the people who raised their hand, but you, where you had to take your Bible, which is the sword of the Spirit, you know, the Word of God, and, and you had to hold it up, and they would give you a, they would give you a, reference and you'd have to find it the first person to find it like stands up and reads it wouldn't that be fun to do that put everybody on the spot again hey you know what just another thing i was thinking about this week is i really appreciate paper bibles now i i use my bible app every single day i do but there's something about the paper bible that just is deeply meaningful and and i encourage you to make sure that you you bring a paper bible with you and uh, and follow along all right well what i'd like for you to do before we jump into the sermon is find these two locations in your Bible, Exodus chapter 34 and Romans chapter 2. Exodus 34 and Romans 2. Thank you, sir. Yeah, you're all right. I appreciate it. appreciate it. Um, Also, as you were coming in, you may have noticed uh, some work continuing with some of our improvements in the foyer. Isn't that nice? So so some of this stuff has has been in preparation for a long time. We're glad to see this happen this weekend. And uh, we, we after, after several false starts, we finally got our electrician in here to do some work, and, and we have some new furniture out there. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you especially for that particular project to the design team. Uh, uh, Cynthia Malanga and Chris Strong helped out as well with that. So appreciate y'all a bunch, plus the entire Expand team who's been working on things for quite a while. Well, I, I, I need to say this. God is not a hothead. God's not a hothead. He's not. In fact, he is not eagerly waiting for you to mess up and has lightning bolts in his hands. And the moment he sees you mess up, he's like, ha, 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 that's what I thought. That is not the image of God. In fact, God has anger, absolutely. But, uh, but that anger is slow. The scriptures say that he is slow to anger. So what does that mean? What does that mean for us? What does that mean for how we uh, live out our Christian faith in the world? I'm going to be talking about that today. Sermon title is, God is slow to anger. And I want to pray, we've been praying all day today, uh, that, that God, will, God, will, God will make this exactly what you need to hear, because I don't want us to, again, I just never want us to play church. I don't want us to come here for a religious purpose and leave unchanged. So I want the Word of God to change me today. Do you want it to change you? Come on, just ask Him. God, Holy Spirit, we just ask you, change us, change us, change us. God, let your Spirit speak to us through the Word of God. We want to be different than we walked in. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Well, if you were put on the spot and said, I want, someone said to you, I want you to uh, explain to me very simply and succinctly the character of God, what He's like, uh, most people would say, okay, uh, wait, uh, well, uh, he, he's, he's good, he's nice, and uh, Jesus died on the cross, and, and all those things are good, but, but uh, 
really, if, you, if we get put on the spot, it's, it would be kind of difficult to just explain the character of God. But that's what this series is about, is helping us to get over that and to get through that. Because if you were one of the writers of the scriptures, you wouldn't have a problem at all in describing the character of God. Because it was originally revealed to, uh, to Moses back on Mount Sinai. And that's in Exodus 34, which we're about to read. So God gave his original revelation of his character to Moses on the mountain. And, uh, and, and that's where that comes from. So this is the first place in Scripture where God reveals his character. And this, this actually... What we're about to read, this event actually starts the ball rolling on understanding the character of God, who God is, and why God does what he does, and what God expects of us to. So let's take a look at it. Exodus 34, verse 1. This is a pivotal scripture in the Bible. The Lord said to Moses, okay, this is when Moses is going back up the mountain the second time because he got angry and broke the Ten Commandments the first time, okay? He just flew off the handle. I've had it. (laughs) Broke the Ten Commandments, and God said, okay. Um, come on back up. So the Lord said to Moses, chisel out two stones like the first ones, and I will write on them the words that were on the first tablets, and I like how God put it in there, which you broke. <laughs> Be ready in the morning and come up on Mount Sinai. Present yourself to me there on top of the mountain. No one is to come with you or to be seen anywhere on the mountain. Not even the flocks or herds may graze in front of the mountain. So Moses chiseled out two stone tablets like the first ones and went up on Mount Sinai early in the morning as the Lord had commanded him. And he carried the two stone tablets in his hand. Then the Lord came down in a cloud and stood there with him and proclaimed his name, the Lord. And he passed in front of Moses proclaiming, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands, and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation. So Moses bowed to the ground at once, and he worshiped. You see, when we begin to see and receive who God really is, it moves us to worship. One of the reasons we sing songs about the attributes of God, it's this same thing being played out right here. We sing about the attributes of God. We sing to God about his attributes, which is a lot of what we sang this morning, if you were uh, cognitively participating. And, and, uh, And that actually initiates worship in our heart, just like what happened right here with Moses. But I, but I want us to take a look at verse 6. And let's look at these attributes uh, that God revealed to Moses. It says, the Lord, the Lord, he's speaking for himself, the compassionate and gracious God. We've already talked about those two. Slow to anger. And that's the one we're talking about today. Now, again, most people have trouble believing that God is slow to anger. They, they really, there are a lot of people who feel that God is perpetually in this bad mood and he's waiting for an opportunity to strike people down. And, uh, and, and, but, but, but the anger of God, although it is real, is much more nuanced than that. So I'm going to talk today about the anger of God. Now, if we're going to do this appropriately, we need to look at what the Hebrew terms were. What words did God use to describe himself when he said he was slow to anger? Well, in the Hebrew language, what he literally said was 
he is long of nose. That's, that's what he said. He is long of nose. Now, some of you, immediately you're starting to think about Pinocchio. This has nothing to do with Pinocchio. It doesn't mean he's lying. I, I, I threw this out to the, the, the early team who came up early to pray with me in my office. I said, so, uh, so what do you think Pinocchio and God have in common? And they're like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. I was like, okay, good. You'll find out today. <laughs> this has nothing to do with Pinocchio, so get that out of your mind, okay? But slow to anger means long of nose. Now, what in the world does God's patience have to do with a long nose? I'm glad you asked because I'm going to talk about that a little bit today. See, it was a common way that people described uh, people who got angry. First of all, if, if a person grew angry in the Hebrew language, it would be said that he had a hot nose or had a, had a burning nose as their nose grew hot. And it's kind of like what we would say when a person's face turns red with anger. Uh, I did a little study on this. Anger, what it does is it triggers flushing, and it's because of epinephrine and adrenaline. So that kicks in quickly, and all of a sudden it goes to your face. And so when you feel angry, your body begins to respond as though it's seeing like a predator, and then this, this uh, causes a release of chemicals into your body, and it creates a host of changes in your body just very, very quickly. But one of those is the red face. So, so in other words, your nose grows hot. That's how the Hebrews described it. We call it hot-headed, pretty much. It's not much different. Now, for example, when Potiphar's wife had accused, had falsely accused Joseph of, of sexual assault, when Potiphar, Potiphar found out in the Bible, it says, Potiphar became, uh, it, says, it says that Potiphar's nose grew hot. And that's literally what the language says. His nose grew hot. And so that's why on the opposite side, a patient person is actually considered to be long of nose. In fact, another way of saying that is long-suffering. So that's where all of this comes from, that same terminology. So... <clears throat> And in the book of Proverbs, it talks about wisdom, like a wise person, how they are going to be long of nose. And I just want to give you three Proverbs very quickly. These are good things to live by. It fits in directly with what I'm talking about today. Proverbs 14, 29 says, whoever is patient, which means long-nosed, has great understanding. But one who is quick-tempered or hot-nosed displays folly. Proverbs 15, verse 18 a hot-tempered or a hot-nosed person stirs up conflict. But the one who is patient, long-nosed, calms a quarrel. A person's wisdom, Proverbs 19.11, a person's wisdom yields patience or a long nose. It is to one's glory to overlook an offense. Now, in the Bible, God does get angry several times. But God doesn't have a nose, and his nose literally doesn't get, get hot, nor does his face get red. These are simply metaphors that are used to help us to understand. We take what we typically do is we take human experiences, and then we, we apply them to God to be able to understand uh, how God works. And, and really, it works in the same way with us. It's, it's you know, anger. Uh, anger. Anger arises in our hearts and in our lives, and we're going to talk about that today. But, uh, but God gets angry Basically, because people are harming one another, they're hurting one another, they're oppressing one another, and they're poisoning his creation. Now, 
we get angry over various things, like if you're driving down the road and you see a child or you're out in a park and you see a child who is, uh, who is being assaulted in, in a park, you're going to get angry, right? You're going to get angry and you're going to respond. It's the same type of thing that, that God does. And so, so anger is an expression of the justice of God. It's an expression of his love for all of mankind. It's an expression of his love for creation. So, so get this, anger is an expression of God's justice and his love. It is a beautiful thing, actually. It is part of his character, uh, just like anger is a part of your own character as well. Everyone's a little bit different, but it's all part of our character. It's built into who we are, except we a lot of times will tend to react, and we, re- we react quickly, and we become, in a sense, like the scriptures say, hot-nosed. We tend to get angry, and then we sin. Uh, book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26 says, be angry, but don't sin while you're angry, and that's part of the challenge that we have to walk through and live through. So, so God isn't hot-nosed. <laughs> he is long-nosed. I've given this statement here to you. It says, God is slow to anger. And what this means is that he gives people plenty of time to change their ways. And that's beautiful. That is really, really beautiful. And if you're being honest with yourself, he's doing it for you all the time. Uh, The book of Psalms, Psalms chapter 103, verse 10, it tells us that God doesn't treat us the way our sins deserve. We deserve to be punished in a way that God's not going to punish. And uh, we, we, we do things, we say things, but God is slow to anger, and therefore we receive that grace. Uh, a good example, I mean, uh, it was just incredible, Richard, what you shared earlier was just right in sync with my message of, of you know, Jesus, the, the difference between people who, who are there to attack this, this, this lady who was caught in adultery. And stone her. They were angry, and they were wanting to take out justice on her. And they were, want, they were there to judge her. Uh, but Jesus came along, and Jesus was chill. He was slow to anger. Like you said, he just played around in the dirt for a little while. And uh, that actually is the very, very nature of God. He is slow to anger. Another good example of this, of God being slow to anger, is in the book of Exodus, which preceded the story that I just told today of back when, when God's people were in slavery in Egypt, and they were, the, uh, the, the army was taking a babies, and they were throwing them into the river, drowning baby boys in the river, and the midwives had to make sure that happened of, of, the, of the Israelite children. That's horrible. I mean, can you imagine that? Can you imagine if you had a baby boy, someone's going to take it, and, and, sol- and a soldier's going to drown it in, in the river? Uh, and God's people cried out. God's people cried out. God raised up Moses, and Moses, uh, Moses came as, as a deliverer for God's people, but Moses went to Pharaoh over and over and over again. God even sent ten plagues to say, hey, wake up, wake up. You, know, I, you don't need to be doing this. So he gave Egypt, he gave Pharaoh plenty of opportunity to change, but Pharaoh didn't. So what Pharaoh ended up doing is he rides out with his chariots and with his army, and they pursue the children of Israel, and they're going to destroy them. They are literally going to destroy them all. But as soon as they get out there, all of a sudden God changes it, and he reverses it. Instead, God destroys his army. See, Pharaoh's evil was turned back on him. It's interesting, as I was studying this, it's very interesting that his army drowned the same thing they were doing to the little babies. What, what they did, it came back on them. It, it, it boomeranged. 
But there was a lot of time. There was a lot of opportunity to stop the evil practices. This is part of the ways of God. Now, you can fast forward all the way to the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 17 and 18. Uh, there is something there that's spoken of about God's judgment on the mystery Babylon. Mystery Babylon is a city or, a, or most likely a nation that at, at the very end of time. And it's described this way. Babylon the great, the mother of prostitutes and the abominations of the earth. It's not the literal Babylon. It's a mystery. And so this is, the, and it's described as a nation that is an economic powerhouse, and it's, it's known for its luxury, its excess, its trade. It's also known for its immorality and its bloodshed. And so what God does in Revelation 17 and 18, he deals with this nation, but he's doing it in a way where he is slow to anger. This is something that's yet to come, all right? And, and, and but when this judgment comes, it is a repayment to these people for the actions that they did. Now, I want you to follow along with me because this comes back on them. Revelation chapter 18, you can look at it on the screens. Revelation 18 verse 4 says, Then I heard another voice from heaven say, Come out of her, my people, so that you will not share in her sins, so that you will not receive any of her plagues. For her sins are piled up to heaven. So you see, God has been patient. God has been patient. God has been patient. But, but no matter what has, has happened here, they continue to sin. It says, and God has remembered her crimes. Give back to her as she has given. There's the boomerang. You see that? Pay her back double for what she has done. Pour her a double portion from her own cup. Give her as much torment and grief as the glory and luxury she gave herself. In her heart, she boasts, I sit enthroned as a queen. I am not a widow. I will never mourn. Therefore, in one day, her plagues will overtake her, death, mourning, and famine. She will be consumed by fire, for mighty is the Lord who judges her. So this, what is here, this is something that's going to happen in the future, but this is an action of God's justice, and it also demonstrates that even at the very, very end, at, at the very end, times of tribulation, the coming of the Lord, God is still slow to anger, but he has to judge. He does. I mean, think about it. Would it have been a good thing for God just to step back and let Pharaoh keep killing the babies? Think about it. No, of course not. Nor is he going to stand back and just let the, the debauchery of the mystery of Babylon continue. At a certain point, he says, enough is enough. Now, oftentimes, people say, well, if, if God's a good God, then he would never send people to hell. He would never judge people. But that is so false, people. I want you to hear me. That is false. That is false. God is good. And one of the ways we know he is good is that he is slow to anger. He gives people plenty of time to change their ways and to repent and he gives warnings and he gives signs and he gives all types of things to help people to realize you need to change but at a certain point and we never really know what that point is but at a certain point his anger and his justice has to be fulfilled uh, we, we we also see this with god's people that he delivered from Egyptian slavery. And what they wanted to do, as you continue reading through the Old Testament, it's, it's the whole story of the Old Testament. They just kept, kept wanting to do things their own ways. And they wanted to keep worshiping the other idols, the idols of the other nations. And at a certain point, after many, many warnings, that's why they had all the prophets, the whole Old Testament. The prophets kept saying, hey, change your ways, change your ways. Don't, don't be doing this. God, God will judge if you do. But God is, has, was so patient. God was so slow to anger. But at a certain 
certain point, after many, many warnings, after a lot of grace and mercy and patience, God eventually has to take action. Throughout Israel's history, uh, they were given multiple opportunities to repent of worshiping other idols, but they, they continued, and it really only got worse. And so at a certain point, God's anger burned at that point. It was just like Pharaoh, <laughs> just like Pharaoh, indulging in his own sin, and it came back to bite him. Uh, Mystery Babylon, they, they were given over, they will be given over to their own sin. And in the same way, the Israelites were given over to the rule and the abuse of foreign nations, the same foreign nations that they wanted to worship the gods of. So the gods said, okay, great. I'm just going to come back on you. You get to worship their gods. And they oppressed them, and they beat them down. And, uh, and, and so these nations circled back, and they oppressed Israel horribly. So, yes, that was God's judgment. That was God's anger. But God is long of nose. It took him a long time to get there. In the New Testament, in Romans chapter 1, and it's important that we talk about the New Testament as well because some may feel like, well, this, is not any, this has nothing to do with the New Testament world. And, and it does. It does. It is different than the Old Testament, but it still, it still occurs. Uh, and, and the mystery Babylon is a good example of that. But in Romans chapter number 1, you should read through that on your own. I'm not going to take the time to read it in detail. But, but God's ang- it says here in Romans 1, God's anger is being revealed to people against human evil. So, so people will be able to see what's happening. Hey, God's anger is being revealed against these people because of the evil that they're operating in. And three different times in Romans chapter 1, God clearly declares what his anger looks like. Then we move over to Romans 2, which is the other place I wanted you to look at today. I want you to get Romans 2 out because here you're going to see what happens is God hands then people over to their destructive desires and their decisions, even if it leads to death. God just hands them over to that. But at the same time, God is patient. God gives time for people to change. Romans chapter 2, verse 1, look at it. It says, you therefore have no excuse. You who pass judgment on someone else, for at whatever point you judge another, you are condemning yourself because you who pass judgment do the same things. I'll pause just for a second there because this really dovetails back with what Richard said at the, uh, before the sermon a m- m- few moments ago. Because Jesus, he threw it out to the people around. Hey, whoever wants to judge this lady, you go ahead and pick up the first stone, you s- except you can't have any sin in your life. <laughs> See? But it is our nature to judge, isn't it? It's the flesh in nature. That's not the nature of God. Look at it. It says, now we know that God's judgment against those who do such things is based on truth. So when you, a mere human being, pass judgment on them, other people, and yet do the same things, do you think you're going to escape God's judgment? Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness? There it is forbearance and patience, again, slow to anger, see that? Not realizing that God's kindness or him being slow to anger is intended to lead you to repentance. He doesn't want to issue the judgment. Do you understand? He doesn't want to. So he gives kindness and he gives space so that you will come to repentance. It says because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath when his righteous judgment will be revealed. There, so there will be a time. The righteous judgment of God will be revealed. But it says, for God will repay each person according to what they have 
time. Some of you are saying, I came for a happy message today. Actually, this is a very, very, very happy message. It really is. I mean, this is a very happy, because I want you to remember, God's anger is delayed. It is a delayed response, very much delayed toward the people who rebel against him. But anger is really, the manifestation of anger with God is really a, a, a trait that, is, that goes into some deeper traits of God, which is his compassion and his love. That's why that comes about. See, God is not content to allow people just to sit in their own self, uh, their own like self-destruction. God is continually, continually, continually on a message, on a, on a, on a uh, mission <laughs> to rescue. He wants to rescue people. That's why Jesus, Jesus was on this mission, and he went to Jerusalem to die as a demonstration of God's love for his enemies. So he died so that he would stand in place of these rebellious people who were being brought into judgment. So, so what Jesus did is Jesus took the consequences of other people's rebellion and allowed it to be upon himself. And, and the, that's why the story of Jesus' life and his death and his resurrection, it all is it's the central focus of the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, because all of these elements come together in the story of Jesus. You'll see God's anger, you see humanity's evil, you'll see the love of God, and you'll see God's compassion for people, and it all comes together mushrooming up with this forgiveness and this life for humanity that's lost in sin. See, God takes out his anger, and with Jesus, he took out his anger on the sin of the world that was put on Jesus. And that's why, it's, that's why the, the cross is so powerful. The cross is not just a story of some man who was crucified and he died a physical death and life was drained out of him. No, that's actually the least of it. A big part of it was the sin of the world was put on him and God issued judgment on Jesus, the sinless one, so that we wouldn't have to face the penalties. That's why, so we can have eternal life, so that you can live together with Jesus Christ forever. So, when God is angry, he brings justice, and it's because he's good, and he's extremely patient in restoring people to his love, but there's more. You see, when we become followers of Jesus Christ, uh, when we give our lives to him, the Spirit of God comes to dwell in us, comes to live in us. And that means his character, his nature comes to live in us as well. Therefore, <laughs> when your face begins to burn, when you feel like anger is about ready to take over, you can call on the name of the Lord and the Holy Spirit that dwells in you, because God lives in you, you can ask him to begin to manifest so that you too can be slow to anger. I, I, I looked this up. This, uh, you know, what are some signs that a person's getting angry? And I just went to the very first thing I found. It was a CBS News report. I don't know if I believe CBS News, but this looks pretty good. It says, seven signs of an angry person. Number one is they react over little things. Number two, they're interrupting all the time. Number three, is that constantly complaining. Number four, they're holding grudges. Number five, they get red in the face. That, that, that's us there. <laughs> Hot-nosed. They're oversensitive and they're cold-hearted. So you look at those, those are, those are not traits of God. And, and these are things we need to move away from. Because our tendency sometimes is to pop off and get angry. And we say things and we do things and we pass judgment on people. And, and, and I'm just telling you, church, we can't do that. We can't do that because one of the challenges, just like all these Bible stories I told you about, is that what we dish out comes back on us. Think about it. What we dish out comes back on us. 
I don't want that for you. I found this wonderful passage of scripture. It's very poignant. Matthew chapter 7, verse 1. This is from the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, I'm going to read it to you from the message version of the Bible. I like the colorful nature of this. <coughs> Jesus says, don't pick on people. Jump on their failures. Criticize their faults. Unless, of course, you want the same treatment. See how it always comes back. Get that? That critical spirit has a way of boomeranging. It's easy to see a smudge on your neighbor's face and be oblivious to the ugly sneer on your own. Do you have the nerve to say, let me wash your face for you when your own face is distorted by contempt? It's this whole traveling roadshow mentality all over again, playing holier than thou part instead of just living your part. Okay, these are the words of Jesus. I know they're modified but for the message, but look at this. Wipe that ugly sneer off your face, and you might be fit to offer a washcloth to your neighbor. <laughs> May patience rise up in you, church. May you have the mind of Christ, that the Spirit of God rises up within you, and you find yourself not getting angry, but being slow to My prayers that we'll all really be servants of one another, serve one another, instead of pulling one another down. Because that's who He is, and that's who He calls us to become. And we must leave here different today. We must leave here different today. First and foremost, if Jesus is not the Lord of your life, I want you to receive Him before we pray, before we go on anything else today. Would you just please bow your heads all across this room if you're watching online? quiet yourself before God and, and if uh, Jesus Christ is not on the throne of your heart the truth is is that he took the punishment for your sin but you've not appropriated that into your life yet and therefore the punishment for your sin will still come and I don't want that for you you understand? it will come, I, I don't want that for you I want you to be forgiven, I want you to be cleansed by his precious blood I want his spirit to come live in you so that you can thrive dictated by your own emotions all the time. So if that's you at the count of three, what I want you to do is to lift your hand for me so I can see your hand. That way I can connect my faith with you. And then we're going to pray together. We're going to watch God do some miracles in this place today. So is that you? You need Jesus Christ in your life. Time for your sin to be forgiven and to walk on that new path for eternal life. At the count of three, lift your hand. One, two, three. Lift it up for me. Thanks. Thanks. Put your hands down. Anyone else? Thank you. Thank you. If you lifted your hand, I want you to pray these words with me. We'll just pray them. Dear Jesus, in fact, I'm going to ask congregations to pray these words with me also as an encouragement to those who are giving their lives to Christ right now. Dear Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Wash me in your precious blood. I choose to become a new creation. Because my sin is gone, I'm going to point my life in a different direction. And I ask your spirit to dwell in me. In fact, even fill me with your Holy Spirit 
so that you will resound through me. It's not about me anymore. It's, it's about you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, real quick, if you prayed that prayer with me, before we pray again here in just a second, if you prayed that prayer with me, two things I want you to do. I'm going to give you two things. One is to mark on the next card your decision you made today. Take it out to the next area. I want to give to you a, a Bible. It's our way of saying we're partnering with you, and we'll also be in touch with you on how we can partner with you in your in your uh, in your in your following Jesus Christ. And second is to take what we call the six-month challenge around here. And that's where for the next six months you'll be in church every Sunday. No, no excuses. And watch what God begins to do in your life. But there's more to this. I want us to, I want us to be sensitive to the voice of the Holy Spirit in our own lives. Because God was talking to some of you today and during this sermon about some specifics. And something may have happened yesterday. Something may have happened this morning. Something may have happened right before you walked in the door. Or you see a pattern in your life of how you're not following through this with this characteristic of the God who dwells in you. Of being slow to anger. And it's time that changes. And then let God handle all the judgment. Let God, you know what? God will judge and deal with people much better than you ever will. I like what Jesus said. Take care of your own self. Take care of your own self. Would you just stand all across this room right now? Would you just lift your hands to the Lord in a spirit of surrender? attitude of surrender God we surrender ourselves to you Lord we're sorry for the ways we have not conveyed your character Lord we live in these fleshly bodies and we live in a wicked world and sometimes it's difficult but God we repent come on just tell the Lord you repent of, of that of that and those angry outbursts I repent I repent God I'm sorry God God, I, I want your spirit to rise up in me. God, let me be one who is slow to anger because I want to be the type of person that other people look to and say, that person, I bet they act like Jesus. I bet you that's how Jesus would act. So God, I want that. I want that for my life. I want that for our lives. I want that for this church in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Have you discovered your street of influence? Whether it be family, government, business, arts and entertainment, faith, health and vitality, or education, head over to culturalstreets.com and discover your street today.